This is Blythe Baines, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Ladies and gentlemen, we have yet another exciting episodic of Inspirato Projecto. This is part two with Wiley Herman, uh, one of the co-creators of the whole Jijun Institute world, which is extended to Christor Inc. I mean, lots, lots of stuff. Now, there's an evil entity called Chris Torch. Uh, Grandview Boulevard. This movie is featured in there. The Tolls. These, these are all part of the universe, the same universe. The Latitude Society, the Varels Bridge Society. All of these various factions uh, and universes, universi, um, exist concurrently uh, in tandem, in parallel, and multidimensionally. So it's quite a rabbit hole. There is a the 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 philosophy of this is nonchalance. You can find a Discord page of this if you decided to. Start your journey. Go to ChristorInc.com. I will, of course, put that in the description, which, by the way, I want to say a very talented friend of mine, Naaman Sheriel, a really cool dude, a very talented musician, recently died of a heart attack. This guy was very young, early 30s, this guy. I interviewed him on uh, Inspirator Projecto in Kechung Studios. I podcasted him. Naaman Sheriel. They have a GoFundMe here. His sister set up, the family set up the GoFundMe page. It's called To Be Able to Say Our Last Goodbyes. Uh, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a link in the description in case you want to donate to uh, this talented artist. If you happen to know him. You know, there are those people that you cross paths with in your life, and you might not even, quote, know them, unquote, that that long. You know, it's funny. It's not really based on on the amount of years that you've known someone uh, that really builds a bond. It's really that, that, that uh, it's the bond that you feel just at any time. And I think if you can build a bond really fast without it having to take years to make that happen. I think that's that's extraordinary. Um, those people in, that you meet in your life and you're like, you know what, this is a person I definitely knew in a past life. This is someone who um, the, the conversation just flows easy, effortlessly. The philosophies are just bouncing off the walls here like pinball machines. That, 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 that's uh, Naaman Sheriel. This guy, um, his music, he, he wanted to be a video game soundtrack guy and movies and all that kind of stuff. And man, his music, you listen to it and just conjured up images. So I'm going to wade through my archives, find some name and Sheriel music. I'm going to get a hold of the family, see if I can put his music on here, if they'd feel okay with that. And uh, I will share it with you. And then you can let me know what kind of images it uh, conjures up in your brain. Uh, also, stay tuned, okay, in addition to Wiley Herman, which, by the way, to be honest with you, I don't know if we're actually talking with the with the real Wiley Herman or if one of the uh, tulpas or clones or para- parallel versions of him 
There, there are quite a few. Uh, check out Grand View Boulevard. That is for free on Cristor Inc. C R Y S T O R E I N C dot com. Cristor Inc. Go on to there. You can check out Grand View Boulevard, and you can you can see this movie that we're talking about here in this conversation. <clears throat> It all fits together. There, 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 there are secret. Uh, you got to get passwords on certain places. Make sure you click everywhere on the page. There are hidden buttons for those who love Easter eggs. This is for you. Now, I gotta say, there are some extra surprises on this podcast. At the end of all this, I'll wrap it up. I'll say thank you to everybody. But, um, I'm going to answer. There, there's a question that's coming up next that that will be answered. All right, will be answered after the interview with Wiley. All right. Um, by the way, if you want to contribute to the episodes of Inspirato Projecto, you can always call the hotline five six one two zero three nine one seven nine or leave a message on the voicemail. It also acts as the Wise Finger Lab hotline. So if you have messages for them too, you can leave some messages there too. By the way, if you want to check out any of that, go to wisefingerlab.threadlist.com. You'll see some very interesting creations that I've put up there along with my my cohort, my my comrade, uh, my confederate, Samantha Light. Phenomenal designer. Anyway, without further ado, and definitely without further don'ts, here's Inspirato Projecto Acto. Inspirato, how has COVID-19 changed music, especially, you know, performance-wise, the venues, the DJs, the performers, the bands? Um, I know things have shut down a lot of places, but how do you think COVID-19 is changing music? And, you know, that could go down to even talking about composition or even performance going working with other musicians you know things are virtual now how do you make music on zoom you know my name is atlas the dragon with the varels bridge society i am the ambassador out of houston texas and i let me tell you something now i really will be found this clarity will not win today. Crystal is going to succeed. Zorch will be done with and we will no longer have to deal with the false knowledge along this world. The British society will win, do you hear me? Take my word for it. We are Here's your fun fact. The average dog can run about 19 miles per hour. Greyhounds are the fastest dogs on earth and can run at speeds of 45 miles per hour. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Wow, 
which must have been so much fun. Were you now? Did you help out with uh, with the Jejun Institute? Were you part of the? No, no, I had nothing to do with the original um, Jejun. Um, I was incredibly, inc- like, weirdly moved by the film though when I first saw it. Um, you know, Spencer and I had done some acting, you know, the year before. And I didn't know he was a filmmaker. And so we kind of bonded in this production of Midsummer Night's Dream we did together in Woodside. And he just said, you know, hey, I got this film. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Let me watch it. And I was just like completely blown away by this film. And so I had a, I was a fanboy before he even approached me to, to be involved with the Esquire. Um, let's just call it Grandview Boulevard because that's what it's called now. But um, it was just another thing where it's like, I, I kind of felt... I don't know why. I don't know why I felt like really, really profoundly connected to the institute, even though I had nothing to do with it. And I think eventually there was enough, you know, invitations from the universe into the nonchalance world that it felt justified. But at the time, I remember thinking, like, why do I feel so profoundly connected to this experience in this film that I had nothing to do with? And then years and years later, it's like, oh yeah, that was just a setup for the punchline. You know, it's like you were supposed to be part of this universe, and now you are. Oh my God, how brilliant! Now, did you? So, uh, how many writers were on in Bright Axiom? Were there four of you? Yeah, there was four of us. Um, basically, you know, it's it's technically it's a documentary, which shouldn't really have writers, but we call it a docu fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of uh, mythology around the Latitude Society that was basically um, incomplete. So this was supposed to be this multi-year, you know, decade-long project with multiple chapters that participants could take play, take part in over many many years. And the whole thing, you know, kind of crashed and burned after a couple of years. But there was still this rich, rich mythology that was like dying to be told and finished and completed. So one of my jobs as a, as a producer and writer was to come in and, and help script out uh, the mythology based on what had been started. Even though there, wow. was no, there was no real finale ever written, but there was so, such a rich beginning that it felt like it deserved a nice wrap up thread. So I had a big part in, in, you know, writing the narrative to, to complete the mythology. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, were you, were you, uh, so you, so you helped sort of sculpt, you had the pieces of what was already shot and then you mm-hmm. sculpted this, uh, the story as to how it would kind of unfold in the editing process. Yeah. I mean, I just gave Spencer and I worked together for like a year. Just, I was just giving him editing suggestions. Like maybe this piece should go here. Maybe this voiceover would work better here. Um, a big part of what I really wanted to accomplish uh, was to to get the the narrative focused a little more on the participants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we succeeded in a lot of ways. And still, there's still part of me that wishes there was more about the participants. But I think a lot of times we just didn't have enough footage, you know, because you can only share so much when you're on camera. Um, I was really, really happy with the way the film turned out, by the way. Oh, it's um, brilliant. It's so but, cool. uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, my, my main goal was to like really delve into the participants' lives and how it affected them and what they did within the society. Um, but yeah, I couldn't be happier with how, how it all turned out. So did you, so Spencer told me that the, uh, that, uh, oh gosh, I want to say he said the name Mendocino. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an Yeah, M- Mendocino, yeah. Yeah, and that's where the little village yeah, was. it's still there. It's uh, Jeff Hull's oh. property. That's his backyard in his, in his house. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my dude, that that place is 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 screaming. I mean, that, that's a beautiful location it's, to continue to shoot stuff. It's at. crazy. So yeah, I actually went up there to um I conducted the interview with Jeff that's featured in the film. 
And I got to stay in one of those little bungalows, little hobbit houses that he had built out. Dude! So it's crazy because it's like it's just like screaming to be used because it's just this like abandoned, perfect, really beautiful is. hobbit town in his backyard oh, that was made for the participants of the Latitude Society. And it's still there and it's still gorgeous and it's still comfortable. Um, oh, so I don't know if he's going to ever use it. Maybe corporate retreats. I don't know. Uh, something. Oh, my uh, gosh. You could shoot a whole – like I've been watching The Norseman uh, on um, – on netflix lately mm. and um it was cool i've never i have some norwegian in my blood and uh i've i i've haven't seen any norwegian uh movies or anything so this is a cool thing to watch this tv show and so it takes place with these you know way way back when with the vikings and mm-hmm. everything in it and just from what i remember from yep we can pause um whoa sorry about that um just what i remember from the latitude society mm. um and those the, the little villages mm-hmm. there i mean you could totally shoot like a little fantasy yeah uh, series totally. Of course, I'm thinking more like Midsummer, <laughs> Midsummer, however you oh. say. It. Like it's perfect for like oh, a yeah. cult-based, you know, horror oh film God, too. Yes. But um, oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's just oh, where yeah. my mind goes. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a set waiting to happen for sure. Oh my God! Wow. So it's just so so. How many times have you worked with Jeff? Just just the once, really. Just the. Um, the Latitude Society, you know, I actually took part in the Latitude Society. Um, I participated in the, uh, what they called the books, um, which were like the kind of solo adventures through these physical spaces throughout San Francisco uh, with like underground mazes and secret passages. They're really, really cool. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. I participated in the books, but I never got involved with the actual society element, which was outside of the books. So um, as far as working with Jeff, I participated in his, in his, you know, genius creation while it lasted and then um, I conducted the interview with him, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, what we did afterwards, which was pretty cool, is that Jeff actually donated tons and tons of Latitude memorabilia to be given to um, the members of the Varels Bridge Society, which comes out of the Christor Inc. you know website. Um, so they have all kinds of amazing memorabilia from the Latitude, like items and special stones, and it's really cool uh, coins. Um, so yeah, he was really nice, and he was nice enough to not only donate the the items, but to pay for shipping all around the world to get these items out. We spent we sent sent about I don't know seventy five eighty packages around the world, oh my full gosh. of swag for these participants. And um, oh my, gosh. yeah, these are just fans of the film. They weren't actually involved in the Latitude Society. They're just you know they appreciate the nonchalance universe that Jeff created, and it's just a way to let them be an extra part of it. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So how many people do you think that Jeff worked with to try to set up, like you're saying, these underground tunnels and Oh, it was dozens stuff. and dozens of architects and engineers and, you know, experienced designers. And I mean, you name it, it was, it was, you know, it's a multi-million dollar process to get the whole thing. And this thing was like Disney quality. I can say from experience, like you walked into these rooms and it was just next level skill and craftsmanship. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. So how many of those little villi- how many of those little hobbit houses are out there? I want I want to um, say like 8. I could be wrong. I was only there for the you know weekend for the interview. But yeah, there there's eight little about eight little huts out there. Oh my god, that's incredible. Yeah, and they're amazing. They have like living roofs with all the moss coming down. Of course, now they're they haven't been really maintained like they should be, so they're starting to kind of implode on themselves, but they still have these beautiful living moss roofs. Wow, man, that's incredible. Yeah. So how many um, screenplays would you say that you have that are like your dream? Oof. 
you know, your dream screenplays that you'd like to, uh, if you had the budgets? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I've only written probably like four or five features and two of them have been produced and the other three, like two are probably garbage. So I'm probably down to one <laughs> that I'd actually really like to get produced. And that's a horror film. Oh, that's yeah. great. Did you, now, did you, did you learn screenwriting or did you No, I'm pretty much self-taught. Um, I think just from doing theater for so many years, um, you kind of get into the rhythm and the flow of dialogue. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's a good way to self self teach writing. Once you do it enough, it kind of transitions nicely. Now, do you use the, uh, um, the, uh, oh gosh, like the uh, card catalog uh, method, the um, corkboard note cards. I have in the past, you mean like the different colored note, like index cards on the board. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right, I've right. done that before in the past. I've I've tried different different methods. Um, my current method is just to kind of just sit down and just crank it out. Just crank out a really solid like nine page outline, and then kind of fill in the blanks between each beat of the outline, um, which is a kind oh, of a wow. new way that I'm trying it, and it seems to work pretty well. Um, but yeah, I always like oh. to play around. It's cool. So you got the skeleton, and then you just you just fill up everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, home. exactly. It's my my current experiment in writing. Now, have you written plays too? Yeah. You said you wrote that one play that sort of like a Twilight Zone type. Oh, yeah. The, the people locked in the bunker. Yeah. Mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's the only um, full length that I've ever written. I've written a bunch of shorts that have, you know, been performed at different festivals in San Francisco. But, um, you know, I'm mostly a short form guy. I came from improv and sketch comedy. So, like, that's kind of my, my rhythm in general. So, it takes a lot for me to actually sit down and, and expand it into a full length anything, whether it's a screenplay or a, or a stage play. Um, but yeah, like you said, improv is a really good place to start too with a yes and. If you're yes ending yourself as you're writing, it just kind of flows. Yeah, it it takes some um, for some folks. It takes uh, discipline to not allow the judge or the critic to be uh, closely watching them uh, every step of the way. It 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 um, there's kind of got to be that vibe of like going. All right, you know what? We don't know where we're going right now, but we're going there. Yeah, you know, we just gotta kind of let it all just flow. I agree, here. man. I totally agree. Now, are you into music? Do you do music? Not well? really, man. I'm. I was listening to the interview with Spencer, uh, and he's like, you know, I'm not really into music. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I'm. I'm usually not. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I like music. I appreciate music, but I'm more like a radio guy. Like whatever's on the radio that I can just tune into. So I appreciate music, and I have a pretty good knowledge of music, but I don't like have a specific genre or thing that i'm totally into wow it's so interesting how everyone's got their own process of of how they create stuff i mean i've talked to people like i got a buddy who his his uh he'll be listening to a song Mm -hmm. and he'll go oh and all of a sudden an idea for a for a scene will pop up you know and then he ends up writing each scene around a a a different um song i love that see i wish that my brain worked like that for me that's like synesthesia it's just like so foreign to me to connect you know dialogue and scenes to music like i wish i could do because when i see it i'm like of course that fits perfectly but my brain isn't wired to actually make those connections myself um but i totally appreciate that that's something that just fascinates me doing soundtracks for movies too the idea of trying to get that mood Mm -hmm. um in there and just gluing it in there at just the right time yeah well it's funny because like when i when i write you know i'm i'm pretty ADD and it sounds cliche, but I really do feel like it's a real, it's a real thing. And I have been definitely have that. So when I write the thought of 
even attempting to think of music as I'm writing is like ADD nightmare because it's like suddenly there's this foreign entity calling for my attention that's taking me away from the writing. So for me, it's like a nightmare to think about lining up music with dialogue or rhythms. It's just crazy making for me. Right. So you, you'd view it as something that would kind of um, take your attention away from what you're completely working utterly. It's like kind of cringy to even think about trying to listen to music while I write. Cause it's like, no, stop distracting me from the writing. You know, it's not helping. It's hindering. What do you think would be the most ideal satisfying situation for writing for you? What would be where, you know, what elements do you think would need to be in place in order for you to really just dive into it? Oh man. Oh, honestly, like as cliche as as it is, like if I could actually get that freaking cabin in the woods for like months with, with limited resources and just food and basics taken care of and just seclusion and beauty and nature and silence, like that would be so freaking ideal, but you know, I got two kids, so that's, (laughs) that's not happening anytime soon. Right. Right. It's cool how you've used your home movies and how they fit into uh, uh, Grandview Boulevard. Oh, thanks, man. It's interesting how you do the version where she goes down the slide, the version where she doesn't go down the slide. And then, and then there's a part on the website where we see one version of you running down the alley Mm -hmm. And you're like, it was right around here. I swear it was right around here. And then, but then it goes to, there's another version of you where you're like, oh yeah, here's this, here's where yeah, it was. Yeah, the parallel Wiley's running down the same alley. Yes, yeah. yes. That was really fun. Yeah, I was only in town for like literally 48 hours to pick up some stuff to bring back up to Washington where I'm staying now. And I was like, while I'm here, I'm going to film as much shit as we can. Oh. So we got a little crew together and ran around downtown and, and got as much footage as we could within, you know, a couple hours. And it was, it was really fun. Such a brilliant idea. Thanks, you know, I feel like that's... Do you, are you a fan of uh, Holderowski? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, would, I would have loved to have seen his Dune, but that's never going to happen. Oh, me But too, that documentary man, was brilliant. Oh, my God. And I was just, just going to bring that up, that documentary mm-hmm. where he talks about his warriors. Mm-hmm. He's like, I need to find my warriors. And ever since I saw that documentary where he talks about that, he's like, oh, yes, Mobius, he's, he's one of my warriors. This guy, he's one of my mm-hmm. warriors. I tried out, I talked to that direct, uh, or I talked to this guy for, you know, whatever, for this reason. He's not one of my warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was on the hunt for those people who are like, okay, we got to go, we got to go now. And just having that sort of like improv spirit of like, okay, let's just do this thing. Let's go for yeah. it. And, um, and that's what I kind of imagine as you were out there uh, for those 20, you know, for those 48 hours, just kind of getting together the, the warriors and going, okay, well, let's, let's hurry up. Let's do some shooting yeah, here. Who's up it's for exactly, it? And that's, that's how a lot of stuff from Grandview Boulevard was too. Like there's the, the scene where, uh, the doctor gets kidnapped basically by the, the, the parading cult members on the street. And like, we, we were filming that in downtown San Francisco. This is years ago. And like literally the last take, the police pull up as we're getting our last take and we all just kind of scattered to the wind. And it was just like this perfect, oh. beautiful thing of like, we just got the last take. We just got the shot. Oh we needed my. as the cops are pulling up. Cause you know, we had no permits. Whoa, it was totally gorilla. We had like 20 people on the street dressed in all white, oh making my. noise and kidnapping people on the street. Um, oh my and it God. was just perfect. So it's like, yeah, that, that sense of guerrilla filmmaking and just like, the energy that comes from that is really, really good for, oh. for fuel, you know? How thrilling. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That would be a dream is like having a class that that teaches. I'm sure there's tons of them out there, but that teaches guerrilla filmmaking, you know, how to get away with. Oh, it. I'm sure there's billions of actually I know for a fact there are billions of YouTube tutorials of varying quality. But, yeah, it's it's fun, man. When it works, it works. When it doesn't work, it's kind of sad and terrifying. <laughs> well, and I've been thinking lately, too, especially with the idea of green screen technology and 
um, uh, that, you know, that technology is getting better and better. And then something else has been popping up in my head lately is the idea of miniatures, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than having to rent some huge set and to to build this huge set. What if you just had the little village, you Mm -hmm. know, of just miniatures and you shoot that close Mm -hmm. And then you use green screen, you know, (laughs) where you got an entire town basically in someone's basement. Like I, I get those visions of like those really cool train, Mm -hmm. uh, train tracks that people build and they build a whole, Mm -hmm. you know, a whole kind of like in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Just a whole town. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different skill set, man. To make that look good. It's a different skill set, but yeah, if you could pull it off man, go for it, man. Yeah. Cause could you imagine like, especially if you're just low on, uh, on a budget and you're just into this, like you know, multimedia experience. Mm. You can go in so many, so many directions. With yeah. That. Well, you've seen the new, I, I feel like an idiot for not knowing the name of it, but like the Mandalorian, the, the effects they're using for their sets, the digital projection sets where they're projecting this, the backgrounds live in the moment. There's no green screen. They're actually projecting. I heard these perfect that. 3d panoramic sets live in the room. And then as the camera moves, the background moves with it. And it's just this seamless. It's seamless and beautiful. And it's just like, that's the future. If they can make, and they will make it affordable someday. So someday you will be able to, to create a curved screen in your home that projects a perfect background with perfect lighting. Oh my and the background itself creates the lighting and the reflections. So it's just like, it's unbelievable technology. But that's, that's the future. I mean, without a doubt, that's the future of filmmaking right there. Yeah, it's it's funny how like the pandemic has forced people to be a lot more creative in how they're going to well, ra- either whether it's rationing food or toilet paper or um, rationing their money or um, how to keep their wits about them and not not go crazy during this time, how to stay creative, how to uh, sort of become the media mm-hmm. um, and and finding ways to, to make it work in their favor. It's it's really it's really interesting to see how, how the creativity has been expanded. Yeah, man. And I'll be curious to see once the pandemic is over and we have a vaccine and everyone gets back to something resembling normal, like how many things that we've learned now will actually be carried over into regular yes. life or if it's all just going to disappear and go back to like the normal standard giant tentpole film, films and then very slim independent films as far as, you know, budget and distribution. We'll see. I'm hoping that there'll be a resurgence of mid mid-budget you know, films, because those are gone now. There's no mid-budget. It's either like zero-budget lucky indie filmmakers or Marvel Avengers film. That's like the two polarities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think, as I've seen during this pandemic, like, uh, you know, these these TV shows have had to basically stop and then mm-hmm. and then they go okay well how can we do this well we can still have at least the spokesperson be in his house yeah. you know at least we can do the tv show still that way and so what's interesting is it's kind of i feel like it's like kind of uh um uh what's the word i'm thinking of it's kind of i don't want to say brainwashing but it's 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 kind of teaching uh, people to um um, sort of downgrade their expectation mm-hmm. of a high budget thing. It's but maybe that's like, a good thing. So, maybe we can focus more right. on story. That's we'll get oh, back yeah. to something more pure. But you know, maybe that's just idealistic and utopian. But like, yeah, if we could just get back to the story. Although I got to say, like, I've always been against not against, but I've always kind of cringed when people are saying like to do real theater, all you need is a black box and two chairs, which I don't believe because I feel like the theater experience is a visceral, sensory thing, and it's like if you don't have a good set at least some kind of set, you know, the imagination can only take you so far. It's like, you might as well be doing a radio show. So it's like, 
I don't want to oversimplify and like all you need is a zoom screen and you should be able to tell a great story because like I do feel like you need more than that but it's like you don't also need the 20 billion dollar budget you know it's like where's that where right. do we find that middle ground of new stories that are getting the respect and attention they deserve and the budgets that they need um yeah i hope we get to that well it's been very exciting to see what's been going on with the stuff on tiktok and just how many filters there are in there and how you can just edit so mm -hmm. much it's showing how much can be done within one minute or even 15 seconds and um it's really expanding creativity um, mm -hmm. with just being one person and having your phone and whatever filters that happen to be on there. Um, I've been learning. I, I've got a, a really cool app on my phone now. Mm -hmm. It's called Video Leap, mm -hmm. and you can edit. Get a you can edit really, really. I'm surprisingly well <laughs> within this this uh, smartphone app. It's kind of crazy, it's isn't actually, it? Yeah, I've done a couple of films with my is. kids on. I think it's called not Stitcher. Oh God. I can't remember what it's called. Splice. There's something called Splice that's also really user friendly. You can do very limited effects and sound and but yeah, it's it's kind of incredible what you can do with just your phone. It is. It is. It's 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 incredible to see how it's um evolving. Mm -hmm. Um something I wanna go back to like you were saying about the the black box theater mm -hmm. and how that's such a vis visceral experience and which is great mm -hmm. because you know that everybody's right there. They're all there, you know, in that space with those two people. You have no choice. You're not looking at your your cell mm -hmm. phone, you're not checking out, you know, your other apps while that's going on. You're not running into the to the the kitchen to do your dishes while it's on TV or to, mm -hmm. you know, cook up your meal and you're missing twenty seconds here, uh, two minutes there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're just you're right there in front of these people. But there was one movie that I recently saw. Mm -hmm that um a majority of it is actually in a car and and it's just it's a brilliant you're you're talking about charlie kaufman mm. earlier have you seen this movie uh i think it's called i i'm thinking of ending of things ending it tomorrow. I, i'm thinking of, of ending things. things i was so torn on that movie man like i just had a couple days ago and i Oof. think i wish that i would have watched it while i was still awake because i was kind of like it was at the very end of the night i was very very tired and right. I ended up feeling like very chafed because there was so much going on and it was so random. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that's like, I'm obviously not going to reveal the, the big twist, but there is a pretty big reveal about the story and who the actual perspective is of the story. And I think I want to watch it again because yeah, I really I was put off by it when I saw it, but I think I just wasn't in a good headspace for it. And now that Oof. I know the, the quote unquote twist, even though it's not really a twist, the reveal, I guess, the truth. I think I would appreciate it more on a second viewing because I love Charlie Kaufman and there was some Dude. very Kaufman-esque moments that I appreciated, but it was just felt oh. like it was too obtuse, too obscure, almost like willfully saying you're not supposed to understand this, which I didn't really enjoy at the moment, but I think I'll appreciate it more on a second viewing. Dude, I got to say the, you know, talk about meta. He is just the king of fractals mm -hmm. with, with the movies he's been putting yep. on. It, it's like each thing is commenting about itself and there's so many little metaphors and so many little, oh my mm -hmm. God, it's, 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 it's every single thing becomes the theme. It's, yeah. it's so crazy. That movie, I cannot tell you how many times I was cringing uh, at that dialogue mm -hmm. between the two of them and the uncomfortabilities. You're going, oh my God, this is just so typical. And so like, oh my God, I've seen this happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's that thing where it's like, you just had to be there type of thing. You know, you can't even explain the type of, uh, it, it's like those moments in time where you can't explain mm -hmm. Uh, 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 
a certain vibe or a certain mood or a type of feeling like you just have to experience it. And these people, they do, these actors do so well with, with what they're saying and how they're doing it. And well, I think it was, it was definitely his most Lynchian film by far. It like really, really felt like a David Lynch homage for better or for worse. But like, yeah, the thing about Lynch is that you seriously feel like you've slipped into a dreamscape and it's just, it's nightmare logic. It's dream logic. And that was very, very much in play with this with the Kaufman film which I normally oh really like but again like I just I need to give it another shot because I just I was just so chafed when I first saw it but I know I know I will appreciate it more next time well and I think that was the thing too it's like I oh and at times it felt like it was a horror oh movie. yeah for sure like it, it felt like it was a horror film like like you, you're just like uh, you're just I it just felt like I was on the edge the whole time I'm like oh yeah oh, but he, and he messed I, with this though and I, and I kind of loved it it's like you know there's the claw oh, yeah. marks on the basement door which is like such a cliche oh, yeah but then the actual oh, yeah. contents of the basement are someone's failed dreams instead of a monster but yeah. that's like monstrous to this character you know totally <laughs> which I love totally yeah totally yeah. oh my dark God, humor dude. man you, yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing because that own you know you're right that 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 failure aspect that's the horror exactly the failed life monster. is the horror of the film oh, you know oh jeez man it's it's so interesting because I know what you mean because I was trying to be detective no that, you that you, movie. you can to yeah. a certain extent but then at some some point you're like right. I give up <laughs> right right you're so right it's kind of like David Lynch yeah too. no totally it's like when you're watching, don't try to figure it out uh, yeah it's just like okay. Take it in. What's the vibe? What's the mood that's mm-hmm. going on? And then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe give yourself that luxury the second viewing to then be the yep. detective. Now that you've let the whole wash, thing over, wash you. over you as a mood, it's like I need to do that now with this Charlie Kaufman movie because I'm like, I want to. God, it, I was there. Were just so many times where I'm like, uh oh, what's going on here? And I still, and I still have not figured out what the heck has was. Ooh, was from what you know if you and, actually do you know. I don't, if you want to spoil it for yourself do a little bit of research on the novel that it was based on and it totally oh it totally clarifies what's actually happening Kaufman oh. took it in a very different angle at the end than the author did like the the oh. original book it's like very ham-fisted the reveal so basically Kaufman did a very subtle way of implying the reveal and if you watch it again you're like oh yeah that's the reveal mm-hmm. But it, I'd be curious to hear your perspective on the on the, oh my gosh. on the actual perspective of the film. Oh my gosh! Well, it's so crazy because, like, especially the part where they they go up to the like the tasty freeze kind of place. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, in the middle of a snowstorm they, to get some ices. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get a cold, a gray cold, slush uh, in the middle, and of it the- just looks so disgusting <laughs> yeah. too. It's like petrified oh. vomit or something. Oh my god, totally! And then the poor girl who's got all the weird rashes on yeah. her everything, and you're like, dude, this is a total lynching moment. Yeah. And you're wondering what really is going on here. You know what? What is yeah. what is really going mm-hmm. on? Because then you go to the 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 what is it? The high mm-hmm. school, and then you see the container filled with all the same yep. slushy drink that he was just drinking. You're like, okay, this is evidently a routine that this guy goes uh-huh. through, and you're just like. What what the heck is is the janitor himself thinking back up on, on his life of regrets? Mm-hmm. Is the janitor just this sort of token, a symbolic representation of something? Is the you know? Oh my God! So so many interesting. Yeah. Well, I also I also like taking the the meta textual level outside of the film itself and like looking at the casting. Like he cast two actors named Jesse for the two leads. The male and the female lead are both named Jesse. Oh my God. So it's just like, how much of that is intentional, you know, or was it another synchronicity that he was just going with? I don't know. I just, I love like really 
pulling it back and seeing how many levels and layers there are. Oh my gosh. Well, it's interesting because here you have a character who's thinking about killing himself. And then here you got this other character who's living with all these regrets Mm -hmm. and, and the girlfriend who's thinking about ending things. So like, you know, what is, what is ending things, right? Relationship, life, is it the same thing? Right. Oh God. That's a good, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking of ending things and you're going, what, what are those things? And then, and then here you got this, the, the guy who's not ending things in the sense that he's carrying his past around all of his regrets with him all the time. Mm -hmm. And that awkwardness Mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's just. Okay. Now you made me want to watch it again. Oh my God. I know. I, through all of its cringy moments. I mean, I, I, I would love to know how much percentage of that movie takes place in the car. Cause that was, just I think it's pretty much, much act. It's like a pretty much act one, act two, act three. It's like act one car, act two house, act three high school. I think it's pretty evenly spread, uh, but it's a long movie. It's, it's a spread. long movie. So I think it's not going to be exactly one act two, act three act, but it's, it's essentially the entire first third of the film is that car. Cause that is such a brilliant way to save on a mm-hmm. budget is to shoot stuff in a car, especially if you got a sound stage or something and you got, um, you know, you don't even have to have a, just like you said with Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you don't even have to have a snow machine. Yeah. You just have a projector back there shooting snow across yeah. it and you can get away with so much. Well, that's the, the Blumhouse. I don't know if you've ever like heard about the Blumhouse deal. It's basically like if you want Blumhouse to to you know produce your film, they're very very specific, very strict rules. It's like basically has to be like I think it's like under five million dollars, and then like basically one location, and like five main actors. And I mean, there's a couple other rules, but they're very specific. It's like just tight and slim and focused. Like even like Get Out, they fit all those rules. There's only really five characters and then some side characters, one location, and it was a minimum budget. And it's like you can get something brilliant because of those restrictions. Um, so I oh kind of like gosh, the idea yeah. that you have to funnel your vision into something small and specific to really get something brilliant out of it. It's fun because it really definitely grows that creativity. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you have a lack of funding or you know certain things that go, okay, you can only shoot in this corner of the house. You're going, oh, okay, what could happen here in this corner yeah, of the house? Yeah, exactly. Then you have a, then you have a, a short film called Corner of the House, <laughs> which goes on YouTube and then disappears. <laughs> it's just, it, it's so cool because when you do end up getting a budget from being someone who's used to working with no budgets and having to expand your mind with going, well, we don't have that, but we do have construction paper. So let's, let's mm-hmm. you know, cut this out of here and do that. And um, so then when it does come time for a budget, holy cow, I can imagine just how much farther you can stretch, stretch it yeah, out. Well, maybe I mean, someday I'll get a budget. And I'll tell you how that <laughs> How that works out well well so for instance with this horror film that you got yeah. what i mean it, would that fit within the blumhouse uh, i mean it, uh, it would it's probably a little too ambitious as far as locations i mean it could be done in a in maybe a couple locations but as of right now it's basically the it takes place in a small mining town and i'd hate to take the fun out of the town and turn it into oh, like the yeah. church of the town which i probably have to do right um so yeah i'd have to do some major refinements to make it fit that mold um, so yeah, it's probably a little too ambitious for that, but man, if I could do that, I would. Wow, man. Wow, man. That would just be, man, getting to that point where you're going, okay, I'm going to Frankenstein my cast and crew together. This person, that person, this person, mm-hmm. that. here's this cinematographer, here's that actor, here's this soundtrack guy, here's that location. Yeah. Um, that would just be 
I mean, gosh, man, that would just be Here, Yeah, here's hoping someday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, what are what are some of your favorite genres in addition to, to horror? Um, sci-fi, like I said, my, my main thing is like sci-fi and thrillers and action. I mean, just big, basically anything that's like visceral and cinematic, I'm really into. Um, yeah, I mean, like when I say I'm a movie guy, it means like that theater experience of a full crowd and good projection and good sound. Although obviously we haven't been able to do that in months. But like I love the, the cinematic experience of, of going to movies. And experiencing those kind of stories. Wow, man! I mean, it's it's strange. Things are slowly opening up in their own special way mm-hmm. um, for people to see movies uh, it, together mm-hmm. in theaters again. And um, I, yeah, I read an article about a couple who spent one hundred and fifty dollars to rent a theater to watch Tenet in IMAX, which is oh like nuts. And they said it was totally worth it, but also really awkward and like they were questioning the entire time what the hell they were doing, but it's like, this is the only way they felt safe <laughs> to see the movie. They really wanted to <laughs> oh see so they kicked down 150 bucks. Um, yeah. The deal was you could have up to like 20 or 30 people for 150 bucks, but they didn't really want anyone else to be there. So they're like, let's just make it a really expensive date night. And they did it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Now um, with Chris Dora mm-hmm. here. Um, so, are, are, I mean, I can only assume you guys probably have a lot more planned that you're going to be unfolding. For yeah, this. yeah, we do. We're actually um, we're working on a new film that's going to tie into the the Christor slash nonchalance universe. Oh, um, great! That uh, it's a documentary about um, Dom Tulipso. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. He was on Fox News and he trolled Tucker Carlson uh, a couple of years ago. Have you heard of this guy? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I'll give you a link later on, but uh, you need to watch the video. His name is Dom Talipso on Tucker Carlson. And I think when you watch it, things will start to connect a little more for you. But it is connected to the uh, the nonchalance crystal universe. Oh, that's yeah. great. Let's see. So yeah, D-O-M. And then Tulipso is T. Yeah. Oh, dude. You rec- they recognize that guy? Oh, my God. There's our buddy. Oh, yeah. 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 I, oh, my God. That's so, yeah, great. Watch, oh the, watch the interview. It's, a, it's like a brilliant seven minutes. I think it's seven minutes of Fox News shenanigans that you will never forget. And we're dude, turning it into a movie. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that. The, oh, that is so great. Dom Tulipso. Oh, my God. This is great. Yeah. I'll definitely watch this later. I think this is so cool that he was able to uh, get get onto that show. And yeah. uh, oh my god, I've been a huge Andy Kaufman. Are they going to say I've been a huge and... Tucker Carlson? I'm a humongous t- Tucker Carlson fan, so I'm glad that Dom got Finally. on the show. Um, I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan, so this is totally something that I think Kaufman would be. Proud yeah, of. and part of the documentary is going to be a focus on on you know media hoaxes of the past. And what that does for society to alviate stress and to, you know, bring a little absurdism into our painful existence. Oh my gosh. Um, It's, uh, it's so much, oh my gosh. Are you, so have you heard of Alan Abel? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get a little cameo, not the real guy, but yeah, he's going to get some, some screen time in our, uh, in our documentary too. Oh, that's good. Alan Abel. Oh my God. That's so good. Alan Abel was just such Oh my God. I had the pleasure of, of interviewing him and he just told me so many 
of these crazy hoaxes mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. that he did that were just so cool. And if you get a chance, you probably already saw it, but I think it's called uh, Abel Races Kane. It's a whole documentary mm-hmm. about his crazy hoaxes. His his daughter put it together. Before I have not seen away. that yet, but I definitely will definitely will oh. check it out. Oh, it's so much fun. And he like, he was, you know, he was one of the original guys doing fake fake news mm-hmm. stuff out there just to show people like, look, you guys, you can't always trust your news sources. You you don't know what their motivations are or who's paying them yeah, or you know exactly. you never know. Well, yeah, the the whole the tagline for our film right now it's called um demand protest. Um and the the tagline at the top says it's all a hoax. And we mean it's all a hoax. We mean it's literally all a hoax. So basically, when someone goes on Tucker Carlson as a hoax, he's just pulling a hoax on a hoax. So we're going to really explore. And again, it comes back to the meta, the meta commentary on like what is a hoax? What are the definitions of a hoax? And if if a corporate you know broadcast fits all the definitions of a hoax, then why is it not a hoax? You know? Wow, um, that's absolutely wow. That is so true. So yeah, I think I think you'll appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Wow, man, this is great. Thanks. I'm so glad that you guys are, are uh, partners in crime and uh, the surrealists that you are. Thanks, I'm glad man. That you're, you're inviting the rest of the world into your uh, universe that you're cobbling together here. I appreciate it, man. I hope it keeps going on for a while longer. Oh, my gosh, dude. I, I definitely, I think it will. I mean, it, there's it, more and more people I'm noticing in the media. More, There's a lot more media that I've noticed unfolding through the years that is getting a lot more um, loose with its surreality mm-hmm. and um, absurdity in things. And it's become much more of a commonplace uh, kind of thing now. I think thanks to Tim and Eric mm-hmm. and um, a lot of Adult Swim type humor, um, it's, it's, it's enabled um, a lot more acceptance of that kind of thing where you're watching a movie and suddenly there's a character in there who's a 2D cartoon mm-hmm. and nobody says anything about it and that's just how it is and that's, you know, there you yeah. go and off it goes. Uh, and then the next scene, the best friend is a, is a puppet. And oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, I have some coffee. <laughs> and no, and it's just, that's just how it yeah. is. And so it's cool because we're seeing a lot more of of this acceptance of uh, such committed absurdity mm-hmm. and um, with what, especially with the fact that dispatches from elsewhere made such a big splash mm-hmm. and, and d- uh, made people take notice of that, which ideally people are starting to look, di- you know, that's inspiring a lot of people to dive back into the Institute, mm-hmm. diving into in bright axiom, uh, of course, Christor now. Yeah. And um, that was kind of a beacon. I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, I'm still shocked that that film, that show even got made. It's just so out there and it's, it's, it's totally in my wheelhouse, but I would never think that, you know, a network like AMC would pick it up and they did, which is amazing. Wow, man. Cause it's just so, it's so cosmic minded. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just a high vibration yeah, to it. For and, sure. Um, and that's what you guys are doing, which I think, I just think is just so great because you're blurring the lines between, uh, you know, it's like with improv when you, when you break through and, and, and make the audience uh, part of the stage. Now it's like, whoa, where's the stage end? Where does the, where does the audience begin? Mm-hmm. You know, the audience is now on the stage. The stage is now in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm unexpectedly participating in this reality here. How, how is this? Yeah, happening? that's yeah, and that's kind of the definition of Christor too. It's like the Discord community is creating, whether they realize it or not, they've been creating the story and the narrative of Christor for four months, um, just by giving their own theories and questions and and ideas. We've just been you know, metastasizing all of that and turning it into the narrative for the, the characters. <laughs> and it's really fun. It's just like this total symbiotic relationship of 
the storytellers and the audience kind of interweaving, which is really fun. Wow, what a great way of going about doing it. I remember when Lost was on and how many people had all their theories about it. And I can only imagine those writers looking in on the forums and blogs and whatnot mm-hmm. going, oh, wow, okay, yeah. you know, they, they're expecting us to do this. Okay, let's, let's zag instead of zig. Mm-hmm. Or let's, let's zig and zag. Let's, let's bring some of that theory yeah. in there. Um, and it's, it, it's such an interesting thing. And, and those who are coming up with these ideas and backstories and all that stuff, it's, they must get such a kick out of seeing how that comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, as it all yeah, it's fun to watch them react on discord in real time too. Oh my gosh. I've just, um, joined the, the Mesmer and braid, um, ARG that's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's my first time actually signing up with Discord. I got to get a hold of the. I I got to get. I got to get get into the, Christor. Uh, uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it's nonchalance. I can send you a link, but the the name of the Discord itself is nonchalance. Oh good. Yeah. Oh good, good. Good. Yeah, check it out. Oh my god, that is so kick ass. So, are there are there any other uh, projects? Any other things that you'd like to uh, to promote here? I figure we should probably wrap this up here. Um, soon. Well, the Tolls is going to premiere on uh, on Dust. I don't know if you're familiar with Dust. It's an online sci-fi platform. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully oh, cool. by the end of the month we'll see it on Dust. So if you, go, if you want to describe, uh, subscribe to Dust, you're going to see the tolls there, and you can also see it on Facebook. And then uh, Demand Protest, we're just working our butts off on that one right now. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! Thanks. Well, I definitely would love to interview you guys again once once that all comes about. Yeah, I'd love uh, to, man. Get you know promote that out there in the world. Now, uh, if there's any way that you want, uh, are, what what sort of um... Uh, uh, websites or, or Instagrams or any any way that you want people to check out what what you have going on or, or a way of contacting you. Okay, well, the, the good way to introduce yourself to, to Christor is actually either through com, which is C-R-Y-S-T-O-R-E, Inc, I-N-C.com, so com, Or if you really want to get the whole ARG meta element going, if you go to the tollsfilm.com, the tolls actually has a couple of rabbit holes in their website that goes to Christor. So basically, you'll learn about my character's connection to the uh, to the Zizun Institute and to Octavio Coleman through the tolls website. So the tollsfilm.com is also another gateway into the whole metaverse of nonchalance. Boy, oh boy. Wow, man. Wow, man. I think these stories are exactly what... Uh are needed right Thanks, now man. to uh, give people an alley-oop out of uh, out of the slumps and uh, you know look look towards the magic yeah. that's going yeah, on yeah I really world. appreciate that and yeah again it just comes back to play like what are we going to do to get people in touch with their sense of play then we're doing our job right now you know gosh man wonderful sentiments thanks man Riley it was so kick-ass to yeah talk you to too you, thank you so much for all the inspiration and I'm going to uh, divide this up into a couple of segments so we can parse out all the extraordinary information yeah, for sure. uh, that you've, that you've uh, so graciously provided here. Thank you, man. Yeah. And just, I'll, I'll keep you updated and I'll send you some links and, and let's just keep in touch. Awesome. All right, man. Take all right, care. cool. Talk night. to you soon. Bye. All right. Man behind the machine. Thank you so much for that. Really cool. Oh, by the way, thank you so much, by the way, Wiley Herman, for taking time out to um, give me that interview about uh, your passion projects. Man Behind the Machine, you know, it's interesting to call back to your question about how has COVID changed the music industry. I was just having this conversation with the guys 
Um, in fact, you might have heard me talk about this now that I'm thinking about this. You know, it's so funny because you leave me so many of these great messages. And so each episode, I try to put at least one of your messages in there. So people become acquainted with your podcast as well. But you asked about how COVID has affected the, the music. Um, one of the first things I noticed during during COVID, the very first thing I, I was so excited was Phantom Planet came out with a song right away called Quarantine. I thought that was kick-ass. And then Sammy Hagar and the gang, they did remote uh, remote broadcasting, uh, or um, they, they recorded a song remotely as well. Then it just kept kind of going along like that. Now, I thought, this is quite interesting. There are how many bands out there in the world that are not performing right now? Now, there are how many venues out there in the world that are not put, you know, allowing bands to perform there? So that means very few bands are performing. That means very few venues are open. And I am very fortunate to know that I'm a part of Yachtly Crew and we are playing at places and getting out there in the world. And I think maybe... Maybe what this quarantine is doing is it's showing us, like, what's really important to us. What are really, you know, let's cut out the frivolousness and not, and the, the, the things that are not serving us. You know, let's, let's cut out the things that are just not serving us. The things that, uh, you know, right now we want to feel good. And this is my theory, anyway, as to why Yachtly Crew is playing. is because we're playing love songs. We're playing positivity. We're, we're trying to bring people together. It's making people uh, think about happier times. Um, you know, wholesome times. Thank you. Also, by the way, um, uh, Ambassador from the, from the Texas Division of the Varels Bridge Society. Thank you so much for that very important message. I'm glad that, you know, I mean, I know, basically, that's 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 a beacon. Someone out there in the world is going to hear that, and they're going to say, okay, you know what? I got the code. I, I have no doubt that that is layered, layered with textures, layered with textures, and, uh, and succulent zestiness of codes and uh, and and classified documentations <laughs> uh, if you sped that up I'm, I would not be surprised if it uh, went beep, 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 and it made out made some sort of uh, Morse code so thank you sir for calling I appreciate that thank you Henry D. Horace, another extraordinary fun fact. And we're going to close out tonight's show with Paulie Shores, ladies and gentlemen. My brother in Yachtly Crew, Paulie Shores. Take it away, boy. Take it away. Take it away, ships ahoy. to the most creative mind in the universe, Inspirado Projecto.